Hello there, Nicola Barden here from Q102's Weekend Buzz. I hope you are all doing really well and thank you so, so much for pressing play today to listen to this episode. Before I let you listen to the whole thing, I just have a little bit of news for you. So if you're a fan of the Weekend Buzz or this is the first time you've ever listened to it, amazing and thank you and scroll back. We've got over 70 episodes there. So there's some great chats for you to listen to from the likes of the cast of SVU, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Grey's Anatomy, loads of stuff, some amazing singers, reality stars, great in-depth conversations for you to enjoy and I know that's what you're here for so that's why I have to tell you my news I have rebranded the show and it is now strictly podcast so it's no longer on radio it is just podcast and it goes under the name tis yourself so do come and find us we're on um, Instagram and Twitter and obviously all the places that you're listening to podcasts so if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google, Castbox, Good Pods, Spotify we are there I am there with my over 50 guests, fantastic guests. You're going to love some of them. They're absolutely amazing. So we've got some of the cast from like Games of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Yes, Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Can you believe it? Uh, Some amazing singers like Shane Ward, Matt Cardle are there. We have the actor Jerry O'Connell, who had some surprising roots to Ireland, you won't believe. We have... The likes of Tom Lenk from Buffy, who played Andrew. Um, if you're Irish, you'll know the names James Patrice, Trisha's Transformation, Tommy Fleming, the Nolan family. There's loads and loads of stuff in there. We've Sarah Jane Dunn from Hollyoaks. We've got some cast of EastEnders. So there's a real mix of Irish, UK, US guests. And we're just adding to them every single day. We're getting some new guests. Season four is just about to be launched. So come and join me. I'm over here waiting for you to discover me. That's Tiz Yourself with me, Nicola Barden. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Weekend Buzz with Nicola Barden. Yes, it is The Weekend Buzz here on Dublin's Q102 with me, Nicola Barden. I am so excited about my next guest. Like, I actually... (laughs) I can't even explain it. My favourite show in the entire world is Law & Order SVU. I have watched it for 21 seasons. It's on its 22nd at the moment. I've been there since episode one. Uh, Like, I love Olivia. I love Finn. I love Carissi. I love... Rollins, I loved, I loved Nick, I loved Munch, I love them all, I love them all, I have so many, but um, Mariska, who plays Olivia Benson, you will, if, look, if you've ever watched an episode, you, you know Olivia Benson is an absolute icon, um, and she is my favourite female character, probably, of all time, and my favourite character in the current lineup is Dominic Carisi, who is played by Peter Scanavino, and I... I can't even believe I said this. I had the honour of a Zoom call with Peter Scanavino this week. We caught up from Dublin to New York uh, where they were having a blizzard at the time and he so nicely took time out of his morning. He was going sledding with his kids and he decided to take some time to chat to me before they went out onto the snow and I'm so, so thankful for that. So, uh, without further ado and without, uh, like all my fangirling, I just have to do it off air. But... 
tried my best not to Okay, I completely fangirled on this call and you'll hear it. I'm surprised I didn't say to him in season 17, episode 3, at 42 seconds, you said this. I tried my best. So, uh, listen, it's a really brilliant chat talking all about the new season, all about what you can expect and how he got the job considering he went to cooking school. Have a listen here. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we just had a uh, uh, blizzard here in New York, so school's closed for the day. And uh, the kids are all outside playing in the snow for the first time of the year. And we're going to go sledding after after we do this. So these are good. Oh, these yeah. Good. I was going to say not what the kids need more times off school. But if it's going to be in the snow, that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it'll be great. How is things in, right now, like in in New York? How is it? Um, COVID-wise? It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think everybody kind of wants to get back to uh to normal in new york you know obviously cases are going up but it's um it seems like the deaths and the hospitalizations have really kind of stayed down if you look at the graphs so i mean i think people are kind of ready to 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 get on get on with their their lives um i'll say it's it's pretty sad uh i'll tell you a thing we were shooting downtown and there was this old restaurant maxwell's that had been there forever and it was kind of a real downtown new york kind of bar pub and it had like a lot of memorabilia on the walls and pictures and frame pictures and posters and that kind of thing and we shot um downtown manhattan for the first time in a long time and that place was closed now and it was gone mm-hmm. posters were gone and um that's where we were doing our daily daily covid test was in this spot the shell of a restaurant and i was like oh this is so sad because i remember going to this place for farewell parties and all kinds of fun things. And now that restaurant was gone. And then across the street was this, you know, this sports store that had always been there. And that's where our holding was, where all the extras were to, to go because that was closed. So all these places are just these shells, you know, and then we shooting these restaurants that have just closed down and, you know, all they can be is, is sets now. And it's, that's, that's a real bummer, you know? Yeah. It is weird to see places that you loved and that mean so much to you. Then you turn yeah. around and, they're not there anymore. Oh, absolutely. I mean, particularly in, in my neighborhood, there's all these places that I remember taking my, my my kid to when he was an infant. You know, I have three, but my first one. And, you know, hanging out with the owners and them watching him grow up and watching their business develop and expand and, and get more popular. And then this comes and they're all just like, they're gone. And if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, you know how to get a restaurant off the ground. That's a lot of hard work. Yeah. So it's a shame that, that that that's happened. I suppose the good, the only good thing then, I suppose, of this is that you got back to work, which is really yeah. good sign. <laughs> that being said, it's not lost to me how lucky I am that I'm I'm able to go back to work and have a relatively normal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we do all the the precautions, the social distancing. There's masks on at all times, except for when we're shooting because that's kind of a tough thing to deal with, how you represent <clears throat> the COVID world that is the reality that we all live in, but then also make a TV show where you can't just be like, <laughs> this the whole time. You know what I mean? And it's, 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 it's hard to kind of thread that needle. But uh, other than that, you know, you, you, that becomes second nature, the masking, the social distancing, just being respectful of people's space. And once that becomes second nature, then it's kind of like it was. So I'm, I'm very grateful and happy to be back at work. Because I've seen the first three episodes of this season, which have been out so far, and you do have, you know, moments with the masks on, go like the, you know, let's say Finn and Olivia going in somewhere, masks on, and then yeah. there's other times where the masks are off, obviously, because, as you said, they have to be able to speak. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the big things they would, they would do is like, when you enter a room, you take it off to be like, I was wearing a mask, but then we all know that that doesn't work because you put the mask on when you enter a room. You know, so again, it's, it's tricky and I don't, I don't know how to do it. You know, constantly sanitizing your hands, but if you're not wearing a mask, it's like, that's, that's the easier thing you can do. Yeah. But we're just trying to do the, the best that we can. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, look, we do have them. So uh, you wear them, okay? Just pretend that it, it doesn't exist. And that doesn't really ring true, though. Even though I see a, uh, some other shows are just being like, COVID doesn't exist in the TV world. And people seem to be okay with that. I mean, people are probably sick of COVID and just all that stuff. Maybe they they want a place where it's not, not happening. But. I know. Unfortunately for you, you work on a cop show. So obviously it has to be seen as living yeah. real life. Right, right, right. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, like, Carisi, what a character since he's come into it. He's, you know, now an ADA, obviously. Before that, he was, you know, the, the new kid, the guy that came in that everyone kind of laughed a little bit at. Yeah. He's had a great arc in so far. Did they, when they signed you up for the role, did they tell you they were planned to bring him to be an ADA? No. I <laughs> <laughs> was... You know, that was all Warren Light, who was our showrunner, and he kind of put in um, in the, the my first episode that I was going to night school at Fordham Law. And then that was something that they would touch on every once in a while. And then I think in my second season, I passed the bar, which meant I was qualified to do it. But where was I going to go, you know? And then we had a change in showrunner, and we had a couple different showrunners, and they came in and, you know, they didn't really use the legal thing as a real thing. They kind of used it as just a way for me to always be legally, you know, maybe like crazy enough with the law stuff, you know, and it's kind of a, a device for that. And then um, Warren came back last season and, and he said, you know, we're going to make you the ADA now. And I, I completely didn't expect it. I never thought it was going to go down that, that, that route. And it was, it was amazing. Cause it's really nice to be in a TV show where you get to play the same character, but you get to do something completely, completely different with it. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're still kind of in, um, I don't want to say safety, because it's not like it's a safe place. It's always kind of very dynamic and, and dangerous in a way. But, um, you know, you get to do something you're familiar with, but something also very different. With a lot more legal jargon for you to learn. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> I've gotten kind of good at it. <laughs> the more you do it, it's like a muscle. The more you, you, you do it, the, the better you, you get at learning that stuff and more immersed in it, I suppose. People are going to, your friends are going to start asking you for legal advice now. They'll just be like, so. No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> they're like, oh, you're still on that show? I'm like, yep. <laughs> My friends aren't actors, so. That's probably a good thing, keeping you grounded. Although uh, my one fans are my, uh, my Korean mother and father-in-law. And they watch every show. And then they send me like a little text breakdown of, what they liked, what they didn't like. <laughs> oh. Every, so they're, they're, they're the ones that really watch. Well, there you go. Fans in Korea. That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, because I watched an old episode recently, and I know you had been in an episode before, but when I was watching it, I was like, is this crazy undercover? But it was just you playing that one episode as a different character. That must be, was it weird then when they were like, we want you to be on this full time? Yeah, well... That was, I did the episode in season 14 and I got that and I was like, oh great. I did Law & Order SVU, you know, work is work and you're just happy to do it. Um, and then 
you know, a year later they called and said, do you want to come for three episodes? And part of me was kind of like, did I realize that I was just on the show? And I hope nobody, <laughs> I hope nobody brings it up. Like, hold on, wait a minute. He was just on last year. We can't have, but so when I came on as Carisi, that was only supposed to be three episodes, um, maybe more. And then it quickly turned into five episodes. And then, you know, I became a series regular pretty quickly. So that was uh, very fortunate for me. They don't really ever bring on people like as into the, into the team for just three episodes. So that's kind of an yeah. indication. I was like three episodes, maybe more. It was kind of, you know, if you, if you don't totally screw it up, you can have more episodes. Maybe this could become a series regular. And if you're terrible, we'll let you know because we just won't call you back, you know? So. They'll call you back in season 17 just to play another character and you'll be like, come on, man. You can be like, okay, I guess I'm not going to be the new detective on the show. It's such a big show, though, like globally. Obviously, we obviously watch it here in Ireland. It's huge in the States, you know, breaking records, obviously, this season and last season. Like, that's a lot to go into. Right. God, I don't really, I don't think you can think about it. Hmm. You put a lot of undue pressure on yourself it's, it's strange when we're doing it we're all so close the crew it really does feel like a family thing we're also we've known each other for so long we're so supportive of each other so i think sometimes the the global impact or how big the show doesn't really register with us and i think that's good because how do you play that how do you focus on that the the weight of the show you just got to stick with the story and try and be as truthful and honest as you can with it um and then all those other things come secondary and then you meet Mariska and Ice and you're like, these are the originals. Yeah. Well, I knew Ice from my first episode. Yeah. So him being super nice and funny and, you know, you think Ice-T, you just know the kind of public persona and you don't know that he's the sweetest, sweetest man alive. And he's hard though. He's, he's definitely got a hard edge, but he'd do anything for you. He's a great person. And then, you know, Mariska, it's, it's kind of like that thing where you're, you get starstruck and you pretend to be cool. Whatever. Oh, hey, Mariska? Mariska. Oh, that's, a, you know, you know what her name is. Um, but trying to pretend like, oh, we're all just actors hanging out. Um, but yeah, it was cool. You're like, you should know me, right, Peter? <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool, cool, cool. You've been on the show for a while? Oh, oh, oh 16 team? Oh, okay, cool. That's good for you. You know, <laughs> do some stuff like that. She's like this punk. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I did say I called her Mariska, and she very like politely corrected me, and then made a joke about getting me fired. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> it was totally a joke, you know. But when it's your first day, it's like oh, yeah. your first day in school. You don't know what it's a joke, not you don't know what the vibe is. You don't know how people actually are. So you're kind of is that you know what's going on? Is that a joke? Much truth is said in jest. So yeah. But that's, that's the funny thing. When people say Mariska, it's Mariska. So we're on it. It's Mariska with a shh. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something seriously uncool. And that's how I knew it was Mariska. Last year, we were in New York for St. Patrick's Day. And we saw signs for SVU filming. And obviously, I'm an Uber fan. So I dragged my friends. I was like, come on. They love the show as well. But I, they'd never been to New York before. And this was day one. And I was like, right. come on. We'll go watch it being filmed. And... It turned out you, the set had just moved maybe an hour beforehand to a park like 52 blocks away. So we walked there 52 blocks through New York. So sad. I'm so embarrassed. But we met one of the crew and he was like, Mariska's filming today. And if you meet her, it's Mariska. I was like, 
Okay, no problem. Yeah, everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows. I would hate to meet her and like after watching her for 22 seasons and then get her name wrong. So I was delighted he did say that. You get the thing, people are like, I love you, I'm your biggest fan. There's nobody like you, Mariska. And we're like, hmm, really, biggest fan? <laughs> yeah, biggest such fan. a big fan you are, wow. <laughs> this season um, is very different uh, already. Well, you've only seen three episodes, but it's very different already. Obviously, you guys had to focus on what's going on in the States at the minute. The first episode when like Olivia was in trouble, I was like, I can't cope with this. I can't. It must be so weird having to see what's going on, obviously, in America and then write it in, but trying to make it reflect the characters as well. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of our MO of the show is the rip from the, the headlines. And that's good because you kind of want to hold a mirror up to society or really kind of reflect what's actually happening. But you're also making a TV show that does have to be entertainment. So how you meld those two things without being exploitative is kind of the, the trick, you know what I mean? You don't want to just take on Black Lives Matter or George Floyd or kind of what's happening in the United States right now and just try to spin it into something that serves your TV show. You, you got to actually have something to say, but at the, the same time, you're not making a documentary. You, you know, there's, there's a lot of art involved uh, as, as well. So, you know, we try to take these events, but then kind of put them through a filter where you can see all the different characters' perspectives on it. And I think it's good because we all kind of come from a different place and view things differently. And you get to see how those events play out in the characters' lives and through what they say. And then that, prov that provides um, some conflict and moments of agreement with the characters. You kind of get to see their discussions. Um, so it works out well, but it is kind of a, a hard line to, to toe to not dip into just doing it for the sake of uh, of making a TV show, you know? Yeah, you and just doing it to be seen doing it. It has to actually tell yeah, a story. You know, some kind of empty gesture as we're doing it, we've checked that box. We don't want to be in the checking box business, you know what I mean? We want to actually be having conversations about these things, which are extremely nuanced i feel uh they're complicated there's a lot of different angles and um a lot of different views and a lot of people have different opinions on on a lot of this stuff and i think a lot of times things get oversimplified especially on social media and um twitter and, and, and facebook or whatever because you want that like very quick boom here's what it is you know um but hopefully we're opening up a, a deeper more substantive discussion about these issues yeah, it's very easy to blame, let's say, the cops as a whole and then not look at them as individuals. And I suppose that's the kind of weird thing with watching the first episode. Everybody loves, you know, the SVU team on the TV show and you have to remember there's real people like them out there. So it was it was good yeah. to see kind of at that kind of perspective, the, the perp side and the police side. Right, right. And particularly for our show, you know, I mean, we can't, we are a cop show and it would be, extremely kind of hypocritical for us to just have this massive pivot and start saying like cops are terrible. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that that wasn't going to work because that's not what our show is, is, is rooted in. But at the same time, you can't just have a policy of complete glorification of police in all circumstances. You have to recognize that there are instances of, of wrongdoing and abuse of power. And, and, and deal with that too. And sometimes that completely gets swept under the rug. So you, you got to take both into account. And I think that's kind of what I'm saying that people over, overly simplifying these issues. There's a part of the, you know, this country that says that cops, no matter what, 
are untouchable and, and they're heroes in every instance. And, and that's not true. But then there's also people that say, you know, abolish the police and we're not there either. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, it's a much more complicated discussion about police reform and the nature of policing in this country. There's also part of the country who think that the whole election's a fraud and that Trump is going to be still there next month. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 again, with that, like, this is kind of one of those things where I see on social media and I see the articles written about it, but then you go out and you're in the world and I don't really have a sense of that. So I feel like there's two different things, kind of what's, what's going on and, I, I would be shocked if, if there's no Joe Biden pre- presidency. I mean, maybe I'm naive, but I feel like that's done and in the bag. The Electoral College just, they just assigned the uh, electoral votes I think, two days ago. Yeah. I mean, As you say, you see so many people writing about it on Twitter or whatever. And then yeah. trying to find someone with that opinion is so rare. Like, you yeah. know. I mean, in, in New York, that's, that's different. But I know a lot of different people of different political um, affiliations and not a single person is pushing the, uh, the Trump nonsense. You know? I, I don't think there's any kind of real support for that. I hope there's not. No, I think the people that are supporting it are just people who like to hear their own voices. You know, those people that are like, I'll get on TV if I say the opposite of everything. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there is kind of a, you know, there's a bit of a, a grift going on with the people pushing that narrative, but it's, this is, this is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I do it, you know? And again, like a lot of people have a lot staked in there being this conflict. There's, Trump has been this figure in the US for the past four years. And if we're being honest, a lot of people that oppose him have benefited from that because he's been this boogeyman that mm-hmm. they constantly go after now. And now that that's not there, it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how the media is shaped in our country. Um, I hope I hope it's, it's, it's for the better, but a lot of people have staked a lot on either being pro-Trump and they can't leave that or, you know, oppositional to him and they can't leave that either. So they kind of want to keep the fire going of how bad it is. But it seems to me that he's just kind of going to fizzle out and be, um, you know, still a divisive figure no matter what, but politically he's done. Yeah. Like New York would be- well, I don't know. It's just my general sense. Yeah. New York would be very much, uh, we kind of saw that straight away. They already called that when I was watching the elections. But you're actually not originally from New York, though, are you? No, I'm from Colorado. Did you move there for SVU or did you move there beforehand? No, I moved to New York when I was 19. So I've, I've lived in New York longer than any other place before that. So I grew up in Colorado. Then I lived in Boston for a year. Then I moved to New York when I was 19. So I've, I've been here for, for a long time. And I was, you know, I was here for many years before SVU came. Were you a chef? Did I read that right? No. <laughs> so that's something that like I went to cooking school ah. and then I interned at um, a really nice kitchen called Blue Hill, which has a Michelin star here in New York. Um, I was going to go into that life, but then I got engaged and that life is an incredibly, um, incredibly hard life. And I realized that if I were to go into that life, that I was kind of giving up all the existing relationships that I had because you have no time off when you work in fine dining. So I kind of, that wasn't really where my heart was. It was kind of also a break from acting that, uh, you know, I was disillusioned with it and I wanted to do something else and I just wanted to get lost in work. And then, so that was the extent of my, my chefing career, but I would never dishonor the, uh, the, the actual title of chef by pretending that 
that I They're very different careers, both full on, but acting and, and being a chef, very different, you know? Like you do have to be very much ahead in the game, but you wouldn't get yeah. much time off as a chef. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I used to have acting teachers and they would say, you know, they would say things like, if you could see yourself doing anything besides acting, do it because acting is hard. And that's true in a sense, but I could see myself doing other things. There's lots of things that I like. And I know a lot of people who are actors and they're not even that into it or, you know what I mean? Um, luck's got a lot to do with it. There's a lot of things. But when I started working in a kitchen, I felt that that rang true for, for being a, a cook because if you could see yourself doing anything other than that, then, then you should, because the life you're taking on when you start in, in the professional kitchen or fine dining is going to be one of work, 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 abuse, abuse, abuse. That's kind of the, the structure of the kitchen. The shit rolls downhill. And if you're at the bottom of the line and you just got to take it and it's all about who can take it and learn and keep, keep going, keep going, you know? So it felt, felt true for that, that if you could see yourself doing anything else besides cooking, then, then you should, you know? But then the other thing about that is it's the, the cooking world, it's, it's 100% meritocratic. I mean, there's very few professions where merit is the all determinant factor. I mean, acting certainly isn't one, you know, there's all kinds of connections. And if somebody's really good looking or whatever, that's going to give them a leg up or there's all kinds of different things and arbitrary things that go into it. But cooking, no one's going to put you on the line, you know, in the, the sauce station, if you don't know what you're doing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's cool like that. You, you really earn your stripes in that world. And I have so much respect for the people that, that uh, work in the back of house. Oh, I, when I was uh, maybe 19, 20, I, I did the dishes in an Italian kitchen. So I was the one clean and everything. And yeah. the chefs, like they could scream at you all night long. And then midnight comes and they're like, that was a great day. And you're like, yeah, it's intense. It's like it's the, the rush, you know, the service. It's kind of this, it's such an intense experience. And when it's done, you all do feel like you've been through something together. And it was Scoffier called it the brigade system. And it is like an army when you're in a kitchen and you're slammed and you've got tickets out the door and you're all working together and you're all in sync and the chef like shouts out a chorus and in unison everybody goes yes chef you know it's it's, a, it's an amazing thing I, I would also see sometimes people have nervous breakdowns like other interns or because it was so intense the expectation mm -hmm. was so punishing and they would just sit down and shake you know I mean I cut my finger once and I was like they were like you have a minute you have a minute with this and I went into the office and I was bleeding all over the paper paperwork and I was like basically put a like a paper towel and wrapped it in duct tape on my finger I had like a tennis ball on my finger and had to go back to work and that you know so I recommend everybody do that for six months and then you'll never cry about hard work again oh my god going back to acting must have been like this is a breeze <laughs> it was because at that point I was I was here's the story with that okay so I was doing the cooking thing and there was a, there's a playwright, an American playwright. You may know her in Ireland. She, she's pretty big, Teresa Rebeck. And I had been workshopping this play with her for a long time before I was even cooking. And had done all these different iterations and readings. And she called me, this was like a year since I'd done the last one and said, we're doing a reading of it again in Manhattan Theater Club. And Alan Rickman is gonna play the lead. Will you come do the reading? I know you're not acting anymore, but will you please come? And I was like, sure, because she was a friend. Uh, and I remember I showed up with my knife bag because I had just come from work and, you know, I had to go the next morning. So I had my knife bag. And um, I'm sitting there and I'm doing this reading with Alan Rickman. 
and I'm having it like we're doing the lines with each other, but in my mind, I'm also having this discussion with myself, which is here I am talking to Alan Rickman. I'm on a stage with Alan Rickman right now. What am I doing? Why am I leaving this? This is what I do. This is who I am. This is, this is where I, I, I should be. So I kind of had that, that realization in the middle of, of acting with Alan Rickman. And then afterwards I told my, my fiance then I said, you know, I think I might give it a, a shot again. I might try to go back to acting. And she, she, she basically exhaled and said, thank you, please. Yes, yes. Cause she never saw me anymore when I was doing the cooking thing, you know, it was, it was different. And she knew what the road ahead to actually get into the, the culinary world was. So she was, she was happy. And then things kind of really took off for me. Once I went back, I had a much better headspace. Maybe that's like what you needed because if you'd stuck with it and instead of going to cooking school, you would have grown tired of it or annoyed all the, at, the re- at rejection or whatever. So you needed that break. Yeah. And I, I think I decided I was going to be an actor when I was 19. So it was all, and I think I had a lot of insecurity when I was uh, um, getting into it because I'd never done it before. And I was just decided I was going to do it. And I never knew if I was good or I thought I was good. And I was always kind of um, envious of other people that seemed like they were doing well. Or, you know, I, so I had a lot of insecurity as to how I was, if I had any talents or not. And then I think when you're an actor, and that's especially all you kind of said you, you were going to be from the time you're 18, which is also when you're kind of becoming an adult. Mm. So your personality and your acting life become one. And the rejection starts stinging you personally, and that starts influencing your 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 regular life, your acting life. The two become the same thing, and you really need to find a way to separate those two, and you know, say acting is acting, and my life is my life. And of course, there's crossover, but it's unhealthy to have those be the same thing. Yeah. So you need to separate those two. And that period of for, of cooking for me was um, definitely. Uh, a, a way to way to do that, but then also getting married, having kids that just further kind of like, okay, this is my purpose. This is my job. And these things are not interdependent. Well, I think getting older definitely helps in that sense, because we can all probably remember a rejection from when you're 18, 19. And if the same thing happened now, you'd be like, okay, but back then it's the biggest deal ever. And then of course, as you said, becoming a parent and being a husband that completely changes your mindset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just have no perspective when you're a kid. Yeah. You, the only thing is, is the end of the world. <laughs> or, you know, you also kind of think, what I've also, <laughs> this is going deep, uh, but, you know, you kind of have that thing when, when you're a kid and you're unhappy and you're like, if I could just get that, if I could just get that one thing, that'll be, that'll be it. What you don't realize is that basically how happy you are is how happy you're going to be for your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because once you get that thing, then you want the next thing, you know? So you just got to kind of be, and that'll also help you when you're really down. Cause you're like, Oh, I know I'll come back. Like I've been through this before. I've been in the dumps before I've come back. And it also makes you feel like, you know, if you don't get that thing you really want, that's not the end of the world because you're going to be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. You know? And now you have that mentality. You're on the biggest cop show in the world. You're happily married, have three kids, and you're going snow sledding later. So your life is worked out. 
We're going. I'll tell uh, your Irish fans. So there's. We're gonna go to this secret spot. It's um, behind the Brooklyn Museum, and it's kind of like the secret Brooklyn spot. It's this great, perfect hill, and there's never many many people there. So if you're ever in New York during a snowstorm, that's where you should go. We were in Brooklyn that when we went for St. Patrick's Day last year, but um, obviously when it's a big holiday weekend, things are very different. It was, it was yeah. quite warm, and the, it was crazy, obviously, with the parade. and Last year? Yeah. Not this year, 2019. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, 2020, we were all like, oh, I'd love yeah. to go back. And then, you know, COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's right what happened. <laughs> yeah. how, do, how does your uh, time go now with getting to see your, spend time with your kids and that with the show? Do you have much time off? Yeah, I mean, the thing about an acting job is it's just unpredictable. Hmm. So you never have the day off because they could always say, oh, so-and-so's got the sniffles, you've got to come in, we've added a scene. So it's very hard to to plan anything. Hmm. But that being said, that's just the nature of the job. It is what it is. Um, so I have the best version of that where, you know, we have a real ensemble cast, which means it's not like you're working every day, all day. So a lot of times I get to take my kids to school, I'll be able to pick them up, you know, I'll have a day off entirely where I can surprise them, you know? Um, so I get to get to see them. I'll tell you after the, the pandemic, which was seven months of, you know, I was just being stuck inside together, basically. I was so ready to go back to work because I had enough of the kids. <laughs> I'd had enough. Sometimes work is the place I can't wait to go to because I get to just sit in a room and not have a kid asking me to pour him a, a glass of milk, you know? Oh, I think every parent literally was the exact same. Uh, when, when the homeschooling stopped and they could go back to school, it was like, yeah. <laughs> well, my downstairs neighbor, he he's working from home and his kids are going remotely so they're home and I just feel so bad for him oh god I can every time I see him he's just like <laughs> have a rough one he still wants to go back to his office but they're not letting anybody bet anybody back yet so oh man I like I have two dogs they're obviously not the same but I cannot understand how people have kids who actually can speak to you and want things and why are you yeah. doing that and can I watch this I'd be, while trying to work at the same time Oh, yeah. I'd, I wouldn't be able to do it. I suppose the good thing for you is you can't show your kids what you're working on, really. Be quite adult content. Yeah, I try, I try to show my eight-year-old. I'm like, eh. Like, I've, I think I'll find, like, a clip. And then at the end, there's, like, you know, me talking about sexual assault or something. <laughs> I can't use that one. Yeah. Not like, and this is where it ends right now, just before that whole paragraph. Right. So I'll show them pictures, you know? Yeah. Yeah. the thing about it is i really hope in this season i don't know with the whole covid thing if you're going to be able to but we want to see more of crazy's like away from work life and i know there's the whole a lot of people are pushing for crazy and rollins i am not one of them people no i think they're brilliant as friends but i want crazy to get his own away from work wife yeah i i mean i think um that's something i'd like to to see too but again, it's it's kind of one of those things you only have so much bandwidth on the show, um, and it's kind of hard to to write because it's you know it's only forty four minutes of, of airtime, so it's kind of hard to keep up those those storylines sometimes. Um, we might see some of that though. Um, I think that's definitely a thing for for Carisi that he he's aware that he doesn't have that. 
he's from a big Italian family. I think he thought he probably would have had that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably a, that's the sadness in his, in his life that uh, he doesn't have somebody, doesn't have a family. You know, I think he would like to have been a dad. So hopefully that's maybe in the future for him. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know those decisions though. <laughs> You're like, I don't have any role in this except for playing him. So I don't know. But, like, um, how about, yeah. okay, we'll think about it. And that's about it. <laughs> Finding all these actresses and be like, she could make a great wife for Carisi. <laughs> that would be weird. But... And obviously organized crime. I saw on Instagram that you guys are starting to do the crossover, getting ready for it or whatever. That's yeah. expected to kind of have a, nif- a different, I suppose, angle to work into this season. Because obviously you had to cut short last season. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's also, you know, it's Maloney's return. So that's all just very exciting. It's not lost on us. You know, I've never met him and we've got a couple scenes. So I'm excited to do those. Um, yeah, you can just tell there's like a lot of energy and then those two getting back together. And it's, um, it's going to be really interesting to do it. And it's also just great having another you know, world that's part of this, this Dick Wolf universe, you know, that they're all kind of interconnected and to have another thing going on. So, yeah. And then Carisi can, you know, put, put Stabler in his place and show he's the top man around. <laughs> we'll see. See about that. Uh, listen, Peter, it's been so brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day when you have kids who want to play. It's all right. Listen, all right. I'll, I'll let you go, um, but do let us know if you're ever in Ireland. We'd love to see you over here. Will do. I love Ireland, by the way. I used to oh. date a girl from Derry. Oh, did uh, you? Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know the actor uh, Aaron Monaghan. Yeah. Yeah. So I know him very well. He's a friend of mine. Oh, wow. Have you been over here? Uh, yeah. When I was dating that girl, I used to come over all the time. <laughs> they, were, they were all going to uh, Trinity at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to go, go back sometime. I think it's in the, in the cards for us. But I'll let you know if we do. Do, do. I'll, I'll bring you and your family out for some nice pizza and some Guinness or something. Oh, great. <laughs> Listen. In New York, you're going to give me pizza? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, it was the first thing I could think of. I was like, what will he eat when he's here? <laughs> pizza, world renowned. Anyway. World, I'll tell you what, we do the best potatoes in the world, right? I'm promising you. <laughs> okay, now that's just stereotypically Irish. I know. <laughs> but we do, I promise. <laughs> All right. All right, Peter. It's lovely to chat to you. You too. Bye-bye. Enjoy your day. Bye. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, you can all say it. I did fangirl. I'm, I'm not even ashamed to say it. I like God help me if I ever talk to Mariska when I'm going to be like uh, trying to wrap up 22 years of being obsessed with a show and Chris Maloney coming back obviously as Elliot Stabler. Oh, fingers crossed we get him next year. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, thank you so much for coming and finding us and listening to my little show. It's all done by me. I do all the guest recordings put in the bids and stuff like that for people. So I've really enjoyed 2020 in this sense, not not in the, all the other senses, but the fact that I've been able to do this, talk to some of the biggest stars in the world, thanks to 
you know, Zoom and it's just been, it's been amazing. Uh, we've had Brendan Gleeson, we've had Joe Latrulio from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, we've had Noah Reed from Schitt's Creek, um, I've had... Um, who else? Richard Flood from Grey's Anatomy. We've had female singers. We've had from across Ireland. We've had new emerging acts. Uh, the list goes on. I I just can't even think of everyone off the top of my head. But I really thanks to all my guests who have you know been here and chat to me and. If you are a PR person that's listening to this and you have someone, do reach out to me. You can find me in q102.ie or you can find me on Instagram, Nicola Barton. If you are listening on podcast, do scroll down. See if there's a chat that, you know, maybe you haven't come across that you'd like to listen back to. Take me on your Christmas walks as you try and get away from your family. Um, we're eight, I have an, a number in mind I'd love to reach by New Year's Eve. So maybe you can help me get there. Anyway, look after yourselves. Wash your hands, wear your mask. But most importantly... Be kind to yourself, be kind to your family, look after each other and just stay safe this Christmas and New Year's. And I will see you in 2021. Bye. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It really means a lot to me and I really hope you enjoyed it. Do scroll back and see if there's anything else that you might enjoy. And before I let you go, do remember to come and find me on my new podcast, Tis Yourself. Again, talking to celebrities, this time a lot more in depth. So there might be longer episodes there. And we're talking about what was life like before they became famous, the different alternative roads they could have went down, how life changed for them for good and bad. And so, so, so much more. And of course, the thing that they're best known for. So come and find me, Tis Yourself with Nicola Barden. And I really hope you'll enjoy the new episodes. They're up to date. They're brilliant. There's some great people there. And I'd love your support. So please do come find us. That's Tis Yourself with Nicola Barden.